What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. Our branding about Vietnam, Vietnamese, Vietnamese culture, all of that is at the heart of how we change people's minds and perceptions. Changing that branding takes all of us to work together, to understand, relates to your question now, what it means to be Vietnamese, right? I'm Erin Phuong Steinhauer. I'm the co-founder and executive director of Vietnam Society. We are a premier private nonprofit organization dedicated to celebrating the dynamic arts and culture of Vietnam. Welcome to The Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over. Thank you for coming on, Aaron. I know you're super busy with the uh, events coming up in the next week. As I've been preparing for so many events this year, to speak at, to be involved with. I asked myself, and I'm asking you today, what do you think drives you to keep pushing the culture? What draws you to the culture? What, what makes you so pumped about promoting our, our culture? First, thank you so much, Ken, for having me uh, on your show. I've been a huge fan for, for so long and just listening to all the talents and all the amazing people on your show inspires me so much. Uh, and that is part of our culture, part of our people. Our culture spans 4,000 years. We're the third oldest country in the world, a fact that not many people know. It's one that allows me to wake up and just to feel proud of who we are. Um, and what drives me is when I see more and more these days of young people, uh, young Vietnamese Americans who really don't know that, who really don't have that seed of inspiration of love for Vietnam and for the culture. Uh, I have been so privileged to experience it when I was uh, a child uh, living in Vietnam until age nine, when I came to the U.S. Um, until, and then, you know, going back as a, an adult living and working there, that I, I, I feel that it's uh, so, it, it enriches me. It makes me so much stronger when I'm in touch with my culture and, I, and my identity. And when I see people around me not understanding that, um, I want to help them. And so that's part of the reason why we started Vietnam Society. The second reason is living here in America and seeing how people have no idea who we are. We're kind of blended into this kind of weird tapestry of, you know, and of Asian-esque cultures that even that's misunderstood. Um, and uh, it, it, it pains me to see um, the negativities that uh, are in the mindset of so many Americans, um, just American public in general, when they think of Vietnam, they see a war-torn country, they see poor people wearing you know, raggedy clothes and conical hats, stooped over rice fields. Um, they see a 
a strange group of people who really don't belong. Um, and so, of course, that has changed a bit over time since we've been here for 50 years. But the perception of Vietnam as a place of war and of, you know, the misunderstanding of us and who we are still remains in their minds. So Vietnam society aims to change that, both the perception of the American public as well as the hearts of young generations to inculcate the love of Vietnam into their hearts. You know, as we were growing up, you and I probably in the same generation, we were noticing, you know, there's these very uncomfortable situations sort of like in the cafeteria in high school or as we journeyed along, you know, the workplace, there's all of these sort of inconsistencies with who we were and who, you know, mainstream society is. But as our children uh, who are probably in their teens now uh, are growing up, um, you know, Vietnamese, they don't really kind of have that pushback that that we have. So I think my question is, why is, would retaining the Vietnamese culture for them be important today? And that's a question I ask myself constantly. It's like, this is important for me and you and our generation and the people who are first generation. It's important that we feel a certain way when we're around mainstream society. But I think about my kids and your kids and, you know, why would this be important when they're living a comfortable life and they probably are not experiencing what we experienced? It's a great question. And one that, you know, you, you wonder, um, are they okay? Are they just okay the way they are? Why, you know, complicate their lives. Yes, why complicate their lives? Um, which oftentimes you feel like you're actually dragging them along yes. to Vietnamese diasporic events and you feel like you're, you know, just, um, you know, being a nuisance to them at times. Um, I believe that they are that way because they are cut off from the past. They, they feel cut off from the past, but they don't know it. They feel confused, but they don't know it. Um, you just know what you know, right? Um, and when you lose a part of culture, it's like losing a part of yourself. And in our work with uh, at Vietnam Society, we see young people who are in their, uh, you know, late teens in college or in their 20s, at some point, they do ask, who am I? At some point, they do want to know, you know, there's a part of me that I want to explore, want to be a part of, want to be in touch with, but I don't really know what that is. And when that time comes, they are seeking, right? And so what's important for them at that point in time, and, and we, we, we want to reach them when they're ready. It's not the let's force it down their throats whenever we think they need to do that. But when someone is in touch with their own identity, uh, and it could be dual identity or or three parts of them that's, you know, Vietnamese. I, I have um, a great uh, grand like no not great grand um nieces and nephews who are romanian ethiopian vietnamese and um and and something else i don't know so but there are like three four different cultures within themselves um that when that happens to them and they and they they grow up and they wonder who they are and they're the, when they acknowledge the richness of who they are, they become stronger as people. And being in touch with the Vietnamese part of their identity makes them so much stronger as an individual. If it's if we're not if we're only talking about Vietnamese and American, um, because now they not only have a two hundred something years old culture in them that's American, but a four thousand year culture that is deep in values with resilience, with 
just so much that is ingrained in us that helps them to just chart charter through life in a way that um, is so much more powerful. Thank you for clarifying my mission. I come to the table sometimes and I'm like, I, you know, I'm interested in this stuff. I, I love this subject so much uh, and I do it a lot for myself, but sometimes I wonder what kind of effect uh, are we really leaving for the second generation? And is there another way to reframe it? Uh, because maybe perhaps the way we look at things are a little bit uh, for ourselves and right. maybe perhaps that um, the mission of our work could be passed on in a different way. But it, you've illuminated very well and you've articulated really well why um, passing on culture at this level is very, very important. Thank you. Thank you. It, it took me a while to think through that. Um, but, you know, Ken, it's also about us. You know, we're the 1.5 generation and even the tapestry of our culture fades through time. Right. 50 years. I've been here for more than 40 years. And, you know, and like I said at the beginning, I was fortunate to go back to Vietnam. I lived there for three years in my adult life and back and forth to um, to uh, to work. And I, I, I was able to be in touch with it. I do know many, many people, um, my cousins, et cetera, even my own siblings who have not come back so often. Um, you know, we're kind of like as a diaspora um, wanderers in a foreign land. You know, depending on when you came over here, the time that you arrived here is frozen in time when you kind of know about your culture, know about your That's heritage true. and your history. So from that moment on, and, you know, the war really really severed families. We have to know that that is the consequence of the war for us, that it forced us to leave, right? And it severed families. And so we've been wanderers in a foreign land, just adrift, right? Without an anchor of our cultural roots, unless we really are out there, you know, proactively reconnecting with our cultural roots constantly, um, we're not really connected. And therefore, um, for people who for people who don't live in Orange County or you know some of the uh, areas where there's strong Vietnamese communities, they really are cut off. and they, you know, their view and their um, connection to their own culture fades over time. So we want that to also be a mission for, for, for you, for us, for those who are doing the kind of work we do. You come from a big family, right? Of 12, you said? Yes. Now, you have traveled back and forth to Vietnam. You're doing this work uh, within Vietnam society. How does your family, how did they initially react to you living in Vietnam? And how do they feel about your kind of your mission and your work today um, as people who are, you know, it seems like a big range of, of siblings uh, in age. So I'm sure that there's so much sort of sentiments about your involvement in Vietnam and your involvement here in the community. How do they feel? It's a great question. Um, it It's uh, so I have 12. Uh, there are 12 in our family, six boys and six girls. My father stayed in Vietnam. Uh, he was uh, in the Jai Kai Tao or re-educational camp. Um, and so my mother, single mom, 12 kids in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, which is Amish town. For those who don't know where that is, it's, it's, it's really, um, it was really a, a tough transition for us basically from riches to rags, kind of the opposite of what yeah. we, 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 we experience in the U.S. Um, therefore, we all had to work together. Um, the Vietnamese values of family and community and supporting and helping each other uh, was ingrained in us from a young age because we had to. Um, but also, our mother was very much one of those um, one of those uh, 
extremely traditional moms who just taught by proverbs, you know, all those Vietnamese proverbs, um, which, you know, like 40 years later, I still remember them. I mean, it's just like in my brains. Um, một cây làm chẳng nên non, ba cây chụm lại nên non núi cao, nên hòn núi cao means you work together and you can't build any, you know, even a small hill, but the three of you working together, you can build a mountain. And so um, with Vietnam, with Vietnam in our hearts from, from a young age, with mom just ingraining that in us, um, you know, even though there, there were questions or, um, you know, my, my, my siblings wondering what I'm doing. Um, I think the, the, the confusion for them was not necessarily, why are you doing this? But why did you quit your job? <laughs> why did you throw everything away? And why are you doing this uh, day in and day out and, you know, day and night? And why are you so passionate? You know, I think that to them was more of the central question than, you know, is this the right thing to do? So as a result, um, they actually have been extremely helpful. Um, they they drop their things and they help wherever they can. Wow. Um, to build Vietnam society from scratch required a village. Um, and so my brothers, my sisters, my children, my cousins, um, just everybody uh, giving, giving uh, at whatever they can. And through that, we actually were able to get others in the community to help because they see that it's, you know, that, that it's, and it's, it's a, it's Vietnam society is a, an effort by everybody. It's not, you know, the co-founders or these people who are, you know, um, leading everything, but it is really an effort um, as demonstrated by this family that just, you know, do it with their heart. What, I'm sorry, but there, there, but there, I do want to say there, there was, um, there, 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 there are in the older generations, some people who, who, uh, you know, quietly disapprove. Uh, you know, they, they really don't want anything to do with Vietnam, and they, they would, you know, my uncle in particular uh, came to visit from Michigan, and you know, he just sat there shaking his head. <laughs> and wow. said a few things and we're like i'm sorry but this is the right thing to do and this is something that we feel very strongly about what what um, is what is his opposition he he he's still against the current government the bitterness of war the pains of loss the trauma that he endured is still in 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 his head in his heart and the thing is, we respect that, you know, everybody grieve in their own ways. And we know that trauma exists deep within the hearts of many, many Vietnamese living overseas today. You know, the ones that I have noticed that will not let it go are typically the ones that had a lot to lose. And I don't mean material possessions. I think there is this sort of hope and dreams of their trajectory where they were heading in the future that was taken from them. And many times the ones that were locked up um, have more forgiveness than the ones that, that didn't get locked up. It's so weird because I have uncles and, and um, in that world that were locked up that don't have and harbor those kind of emotions, but it's the ones that left a little bit earlier sometimes that had all these dreams of, you know, their their lives were heading in a certain career trajectory, or they were imagining that they were going to accrue some some divi, some position, some some political power. That they just be they're so kumfang, they're so like they're just so angry about losing it. So I think it exists in all sorts of shapes and and. And many times we just can't really sit there and fight it because we can't get into their minds 
to understand and correct any of this is I think the the best thing to do, just like what we what I experienced in debating politics is just sitting and listening and, and understanding what they're going through and just nodding and and not really debating it and just absorbing what they what they think and feel. And many times um the love that they give back as a result of just listening uh is is the way forward is the way I see it sometimes. I mean, that's how I see it right now. Yeah, it's that, that is, uh, that is so true. That is so true. What you say, I, um, it's such a complicated history is such a complicated, um, situation that our diaspora is in, uh, you know, I have been reading and following a lot uh, about um, U.S.-Vietnam reconciliation efforts, which is called War Legacy, uh, addressing war legacies or consequences of war. A lot of that deal uh, deals with, um, you know, the, the things that America has done to Vietnam. Uh, whether it's the bombing and how that damaged our land and hurt our people, the ancient orange issue, how dioxin is still in our earth and how it's uh, really still damaging and killing yeah. people. Um, and then uh, all of the things that have um, been been done with um, the, the mines that are, that are still there, there's still like a million unexploded ordinances all around Vietnam. So it's it's really about that. But then I I I constantly bring in the fact that trauma to the Vietnamese people is a huge consequence of war. Trauma that is intergenerational from the people we were just talking about to to the first generation who deal with that trauma in their own ways, which now, which transfer down into um, younger generations as well. Um, you know, the reconciliation among Vietnamese is one of the most challenging um, sort of aftermath of the war, so much more than US-Vietnam bilateral relations. 100% agree with that. And for us, part of the reason is the people that you just spoke of, the people that, and then the other people I just shared, have not had a platform, a way to actually talk about it, to actually, you know, just even just to admit we have PTSD from the war, that we ourselves have so much pent up issues in our hearts um, and so much trauma that it's, that still exists that, um, you know, we haven't even gotten to that first phase yet. Um, and as you say, part of dealing with this requires acknowledgement of what happened past, you know, in the past, acknowledgement of the pains and the sufferings that, and the loss, uh, as you said, has happened. And then just having a dialogue that promotes trust, that promotes just reconnection, that even, and I don't want to use, uh, you know, there are certain words that, you know, trigger people like, I need you to apologize to me, <laughs> you know, for me to, you know, be better, right, to get better, etc. But that, that, that trauma still exists in our, 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 our community and Vietnam society is built upon the fact that culture is the soft power and it is a, an incredible medium for addressing trauma. There are hundreds of stories around the world or, or case studies um, where art and culture is used to help communities that have been affected by war, like real crazy, um, uh, sufferings from war to to heal and so we're not experts in this area but we believe that when we provide opportunities for people to reconnect with their roots through this medium of art and culture 
we are in fact also helping to address that that part of themselves that needs to be healed. How did you come up with the idea to start Vietnam Society? And the second part is what happens during the week of the celebration or the events that you put on? Vietnam Society came about um, as a young person living in Washington, D.C. I attended many, many um, types of events from other countries, like Japan Society has, for the last hundred years, put on incredible events. Um, more recently, Korea Society and, and other Asia Society, other countries, um, just showcasing their the beauty and magnificence of their countries. And, you know, when I was in my 20s, I just thought, wow, this is really great. I get to, you know, enjoy all of these things. But then there was a moment in time where I questioned, why isn't Vietnam and our people and Vietnamese art and culture presented here in Washington, D.C., where, you know, of course, this is the nation's capital. So you'd see, you know, just a kaleidoscope and, you know, the United Nations being flaunted here all the time. Um, and that was when I think in my heart, I felt we needed representation for Vietnam. So I actually started to do this work um, 30 years ago. Um, there was a an exhibition um, that uh, took place in, I think, 1997, when U.S.-Vietnam normalized diplomatic relations. And I went to a fine art exhibition that uh, started at the Meridian House, and for, for that it's a beautiful mansion for diplomats. And I and I looked at all of these amazing fine art that came out of Vietnam at that that time, the art masters. Um, and by the way, that's where I was exposed to my husband's photograph, and that's how we actually oh, later wow. met. But that's wow. a different story. Um, that's a different podcast. But, <laughs> and that's that's kind of when I just said, why aren't we promoting and showing more of this amazing art? And anyone who's gone to Vietnam uh, would know how beautiful our paintings and our art are. Not just, you know, art from a thousand years ago, but contemporary Vietnamese fine art is magnificent. Um, and so I actually organized my own exhibition. Um, soon after that, I contacted, I was a, I was a uh, lobbyist at the time. And I contacted at that time, Senator Chuck Hagel, who became Secretary of Defense later on. And I, I said, Senator Hagel, since you've been to Vietnam, would you please sponsor an exhibition at the uh, at the U.S. Senate um, of Viet of photographs of Vietnam, and he agreed, which was just so amazing. So we had an exhibition inside the Russell Senate Building, right on Capitol Hill. Uh, we invited the Vietnamese community, we invited the general public, and just everybody showed up, like wow. filled. The, yeah, filled the Senate and the Senator gave a speech and, you know, and none of the photographs were of the war. All the photographs were, and they're actually now my husband's photographs. There was an exhibition of his um, black and white portraying portraits and landscapes of people, um, portraits of people and landscapes all over Vietnam. And the Vietnamese community, um, you know, published the, exhibition in a four-page newspaper article just about that um and that was the that was the time when i said this is the right thing and that was the moment when i said vietnam society needs to be born of course it it took you know 20 years to build vietnam society um but that was the the start of it 
What an incredible story. I thought you just woke up three years ago and said, you know, I want to do this. But these sort of journeys, you know, when we look back, they go back decades. They, 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 they're planted and rooted decades uh, before, before they ever happened. Yes, yes. Now, yes. there are similar um, models like you just mentioned, you know, Japan Society. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what these societies actually do? Sure. Uh, so I, I, I talk about Japan society because it's really um, it, it's really a great model for us to consider. During during World War II, as you can imagine, the perception of the Japanese government and Japanese people in America um, was uh, extremely negative and distressful. The Japanese internment um, was a, a horrible time in American history where Japanese Americans were taken from their homes um, and interned for five years. It was just so incredible that actually happened in this country. After the war, the uh, Japanese government itself and of course, Japan was seen to be the enemy. It's just the, the the horrible people. Japan then embarked upon this campaign to change that perception of who they are. And that's when Japan society was born. And they just did everything they could to portray Japan to be a loving, peaceful, beautiful country with cultures that are, you know, you know, the best in the world and best food, best clothes, best music, everything um, to, to just slowly change the mindset. And they are successful because today we think of Japan as Zen, high Zen quality. gardens. Yes. High quality um, anime that, you know, has has reached the mainstream America um, with Studio Ghibli, and I mean, like I can go on and on and on because my own children watch all of this stuff, and we consume everything Japanese, and that is the hard work of Japan Society that took place a hundred years ago. This episode is brought to you by Somkai Distillery, my only go-to gin company, established in 2018. Sumkai Distillery is Vietnam's first gin distillery founded by Daniel Nguyen, a Vietnamese American from Southern California. No matter how many people I have at my parties, we are always pouring Sumkai gin. Sumkai gin is handcrafted in small batches and prioritizes using botanicals and ingredients that are native and heirloom to Vietnam. The result is a product uniquely Vietnamese in taste and aroma. Somkai is now growing to include rice wine and traditional Vietnamese herbal liqueurs similar to Amaro. Somkai prides itself in Vietnam from the farmers who grow the fruits and herbs to the artists behind the artwork and design. Somkai is a community effort of people who are proud to be Vietnamese and collectively embody the spirit of Vietnam. Yes, and that was the answer I was looking for. This promotion of a culture that is not being perceived well is what Vietnam society, Japan society, these societies, that's what we're the core mission of bringing a brighter light uh, onto the culture of the Vietnamese. Yes. And it is, it, it is something that we have to take pride in, you know, it brings a bright light into who we are, changing that perception. But we know that our potential is a hundred folds of where we are today. We just know that, you know, right now we're seen as a group of people who are almost, you know, they think of Vietnam in general, um, you know, rice farmers, and of the people who Americans are, many Americans are still scared going to Vietnam. Am I going, or, you know, do people hate me, et cetera. And with Vietnamese Americans here, pe the general public might think, 
okay, well, they're kind of Asian, maybe they're Chinese, maybe they're Japanese, you know. Um, I think that we need to shine a very bright light on who we are, not just for ourselves, be, you know, going back to the, the younger generation and then reconnecting with roots, et cetera, selves, our people, our community, and, and our country. Now, how is Vietnam society the weak and the gala? Can you tell me how all of that's organized and what it's what kind of events are we looking at? Sure. So Vietnam society, uh, are, we operate not just um, on just the week. So there is Vietnam Week, which is our marquee uh, annual event that takes place during Tết Trung Thu week, um, so mid-autumn festival week. But we actually do events throughout the throughout the year. Um, the way that we work is <clears throat> we um, we have events and then we have projects. And our strategy is to present the best of the best of um, Vietnamese art and culture wherever that comes from, from the U.S. Um, as represented by people like Kevin Tien, who's one of our best chefs in America, um, or from Vietnam, um, as represented by people like um, uh, Ang Trung, who is a jazz saxophonist, who is like a budding star. She's incredible. She's only 18 and incredible. Um, people like Lin Papin, who is a young writer, who is... Uh, French Vietnamese born in Hanoi um, to a Vietnamese mom, sorry, Vietnamese dad and a French mother. Um, now, you know, moved to France when she was 10. She's an incredible writer um, to, you know, um, who, um, Pham Ting An, who just won the uh, Cannes d'Or Awards. You know, so we we represent and bring the best of the best to the table so that on these world stages, such as the Kennedy Center or the Smithsonian, people can see that we're no longer the conical hat people in Alzai who prance around. Yep. <laughs> right? So uh, that's 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 really our mission um, to to do that. Our goal to do that, and then the second is we present the authenticity of our culture to the the deepest detail that we can so that we're accurate almost like you know what you would do at a museum you know the curators spend years researching the exact accurate thing so that it brings trust that these people know what they're doing when you go to a museum you know that you know it's 99.9 percent .9 correct we spend an enormous amount of time working with people who research our history so that when we bring something to a stage, um, it is, it is um, uh, you know, historically accurate and culturally accurate, such as uh, a 19th century uh, wedding reenactment that mm -hmm. we did last year at the Kennedy Center. Every detail was, was researched for years by scholars in Vietnam from the tradition of the clothing, like the fabric, the 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 even the buttons you know and the way it's sewn and designed all of that was recreated to all of those details to the altar to the music every aspect um was carefully considered um and so when we brought the audience to see the reenactment they what they saw was vietnamese young vietnamese um people on stage which we spent so much time training and there are Vietnamese Americans trained by Vietnamese experts from Saigon who came over and trained them like it was incredible and 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 you can imagine the language right so the expert didn't really speak uh English so we had a second expert who was bilingual so the two of them teaching this group of young people um every step every movement um, to reenact the show. Did, did so, you video? Do you have video of that? 
we, you know, it, it's, it's, it, it, we have some of that video. What happened was the, um, there was, there, there were IP issues with the Kennedy Center. So, but we can, we can grab some of that, some of that video for you to see. I mean, it was the, 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 the interesting thing would be the behind the scenes training, the, the getting the, the, the actors up to speed. And we then have the final, that yeah, would yeah. be like, a one hour show that I would sit and easily consume. <laughs> Absolutely. I can share that with you. It it was just so mind boggling yes. for me. It was Amazing. so heartwarming because that's how we, that's how we change these young people at the very beginning. You asked me the question, does it really matter for these young people? I saw that it mattered to them because they, posted hundreds of posts on social media during and after um, this whole process where they, one woman said, you know, I was born in the US. My mom forced me to kind of learn Vietnamese. I never felt Vietnamese, um, but then when I, and I'm a professional model and now I'm a part of this program now I know what it means to be Vietnamese and I love it so much, you know, and please call upon me anytime you guys want to do anything. I, I, now I'm going to volunteer um, just as much as you want. That's when it's really, you know, inculcating deep into their hearts about, you know, their pride in their own country, you know. So the people who, the audience who came to watch were, half Vietnamese, half Americans. Um, and on the Vietnamese side, we had like 90 years old to six years old. We even had um, the scouts troop come in wearing their uh, scouts uniforms, the Vietnamese scouts, uh, they're so cute. And then we had Americans who were just respectful and love, you know, love our culture. And they just said, this is, they've never seen anything like this um, before. Um, we had ambassadors who came from Denmark, from um, where, from Indonesia, from Cambodia, Brunei, they came with their spouses. Um, and it was just one of those things that you had to witness to really feel the power of how our art and culture can move and change people. So that's a, a kind of like a, a broad answer to your question, how do we do this? Cho's Vietnam Week itself every year because there isn't anything like that in DC that allows us to have a moment in time in a year that can help people remember, oh, this is Vietnam Week. You know, and that's also the Japanese model. Right. So wow. Japan society, what they do is they transform all of DC every spring into Japan week. And now over time, now it's become like Japan month, the month of Japan. Wow. And even now they, they, they have, the, and it's so incredible, right? And you have to respect this. They've changed even the narrative to say, spring, think Japan. Spring in DC, think Japan. And that's like so catchy as a phrase, like think spring, think Japan. And so every spring when the thousands of cherry blossom trees oh. bloom around DC, the entire city is pink and they now have pink banners with cherry blossoms lining the streets of DC and saying spring festival, spring Japan. And um, they, they own that. They own that space in your mind for spring in DC. They own exactly. it. For most Americans to the point where in fact, their street festival gets four or 5,000 people come over two days. It's like completely, they, they take over like five city blocks in right down in front of the US Capitol for two full days of the weekend in the spring. Um, and half of the people who volunteer 
it's like eight, 900 people volunteer. Half of them are Americans. So you can imagine how they have mainstreamed Japan mm-hmm. to in the hearts of Americans. And so, you know, we're starting out as they started out 20 some years ago, but we're fast tracking it. You know, we're, we're the, the, after the, you know, the, the first full year we're, we have Americans volunteering as well. And we have Vietnamese volunteering. So, you know, it's, we're, we're doing it, but, or, you know, it's going to take us uh, much less time than 20 plus years to be successful as successful. I just threw a party here uh, in Orange County um, with the Vietnamese Film Festival, and we had almost about a thousand people attend. And what I can say is it felt like it was only three minutes. I didn't really get to experience the the, the event the way uh, uh, somebody, a guest would. My question to you is, as an organizer, you get to sit in and participate and, and you know, you can, but you can't, you really cannot because you're really sitting there to organize and to really pay attention to the details. What have you gotten out of this? Oh, it's a great question because I actually do get <laughs> to enjoy because I have such an amazing team. We have such an amazing team. They are young people who just take the rein and go and do the the work because they want me to it's not about experiencing but it's about me being there um hosting people and speaking with people making sure that the ambassador who comes really know and understand and and can um, enjoy as well. So even though I'm, I'm, I'm working at the events, I'm still a part of, you know, the audience per se, I'm, I'm still sitting there enjoying the show. Um, and what I see is just people being amazed, you know, people really being amazed at what they see. I look at people's expressions. I love seeing that, you know, in, in the, in the uh, wedding show, I, I I see young people just astounded that this is this is Vietnam. You know, this is this is how, how beautiful Vietnam is, and you know the Q and A portion of it is the part that I love the most because that's when people really get oh, wow. engaged. And, yeah. You know, at the after the wedding show, the Q and A went so long that the Kennedy Center had to flick their lights to get us to, to kick us out oh my because it was so engaging. So, you know, we had old people, of course, as Vietnamese uh, old people uh, go, they'll they'll question things like, "Wait, is that really accurate? Can you say, can you explain that? That when I grew up, it wasn't like that." And so our expert on on stage by the way he spent 12 years living in china to learn about chinese history and culture in order to understand and learn about our own history and culture because a thousand years of chinese colonization of vietnam made us so much of our culture being kind of um you know, um, uh, influenced by China. And so he knows Nong fluently. He speaks Chinese fluently. And of course, he has a PhD in our culture. Um, it, and so he's standing on stage. <laughs> that, answering, that's another podcast right there. <laughs> yeah, he's standing on stage answering this, you know, 80-year-old man's question. And I am sitting in the audience thinking, thank God <laughs> it's him, you know, up there. And not any of us yeah um two questions from young a young man um he must be like 25 and he said i now i understand my own family's wedding traditions and how my parents got married and what all of the little things meant so it was a narrated um reenactment like every movement was narrated to say this is what's happening and this is the culture behind that um, 
And so now I understand, and maybe I'm going to get married in the Vietnamese traditions. And so at that point, what was really funny was our uh, English speaking expert on stage said, this man is getting, is ready to get married. Any takers here? And so many women just raised their hands because he was really handsome. <laughs> it's, you know, it's that kind of engagement that, made it so powerful for me to observe. Um, so Vietnam Week, actually, getting back to your question about, you know, when it happens, and I was talking about Japan owning spring. Um, here in D.C., Japan owns spring time. China actually owns, like, during Lunar New Year in January yeah. and also part of summer, Korea and um, Korea and Hong Kong do programs in the summer. And by the way, the Koreans are so powerful now in DC in terms of, you know, pushing their culture here um, with not only product, but also investments. They're basically just taking over spending so much money here, even at the museums there, they would ask the museum, let's, you know, let's do this program together and we'll pay, um, all your expenses will pay will pay for everything which is wow. you know could be yeah. millions right um yeah so they they're ever so vietnam society chose this the fall um we strategically picked that jung thu during the fall because for some reason there's a gap in time in the calendar where the other countries don't have any kind of ownership over that And so we said, okay, every year, fall, we're going to start changing the minds of people to say that's Vietnam week and they can look forward to an entire week of, uh, of, of events, um, which focuses on five different areas of our culture. Um, so the events focus on films. So we'll show films, um, and I wouldn't call it a, a big film festival, but just selected films that, um, that, that, that are excellent that we can show here. Like last year, we premiered um, Ambergen in the US um, at, the, um, at the Smithsonian last year. Um, and then we do performing arts like dance and, and sing um, and, and music. Um, we do um, a literary track. Uh, so we partner with Divan Uh, in San Francisco to put that together. So last year we had Nguyen Thanh Viet. This year we have Nguyen Trung, um, whose book uh, was banned in several states because uh, of the anti-Asian sentiments and because he writes about LGBTQT themes. Um, right. So we have him and also Lin Papin from Paris. We have um, a cuisine track. So last year we had a cooking demo inside the uh, Smithsonian by Kevin Tien. Um, this year we have two cooking demos by um, famous, let's just lo other local chefs here. Um, we were going to, we did ask um, a few others from other uh, other parts of the country, but they they couldn't make it unfortunately this year. But um, so out of those five tracks, we we put on different events throughout the week. Um, this year's theme is Authentic Voices, Bridging Generations. Um, all of the events are rooted um, in highlighting the foundation that our Vietnamese elders, and I, when I say elders, I would say, you know, my mother's age and partially, you know, yeah, that first generation have laid highlighting the, you know, the potential of, of yeah, our culture, but also you know, really what we stood for. I want to make, to acknowledge that, you know, because there were so many before all of us, um, but then how they're passing the torch to us and to younger generations to preserve our culture outside of our ancestral lands. Um, so yeah, this year we've got a whole um, full set of events and they're all free of charge. We We really want to make this as inclusive as possible. Um, and um, 
So as many, uh, so we encourage everybody to to come if they can um, to to enjoy, experience, and support. Where can our audience find more information on Vietnam Society and the celebrations that are happening? Uh, just on our website, um, VietnamSociety.org. And in about what about any social media handles? Uh, yeah, we're on Instagram, Vietnam Society, just that, um, hashtag Vietnam Society. Um, and we're on Facebook, but I, from what I heard yesterday, um, there were some technical difficulties, so don't get on there right now, but uh, we're on there as well. Most people are on Instagram anyway. <laughs> I feel yes. like most people get their information uh, about these events from Instagram. Yes, yes. We uh, are fortunate to have uh, an, an amazing uh, young team who uh, understands social media, understand promotion, um, led by Kimmy Do, Kimmy Ba, and uh, Dan Jung, and our intern um, Aiden Ditton, a third-year college student at Georgetown. Brilliant, brilliant young man. But that's yeah. I can talk so I can just share forever about our team. It's just amazing. Well, I want to leave everybody with the final question. What does it mean to be Vietnamese to you? Wow. I thank you for, for, for asking that final question. Well, I, what I actually want to say, um, just one more thing, if I may, before the final question is just to, just to say our branding is important. Our branding about Vietnam, Vietnamese, Vietnamese culture, uh, all of that is at the heart of how we change people's minds and perceptions. And changing that branding takes all of us to work together to understand how, it, and that relates to your question now, what it means to be Vietnamese, right? We are a culture that is a tapestry woven with tradition, resilience, unwaving spirit, 4,000 years of art, of just amazing things that you can find. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning maybe even just 1% of that, you know, it, 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 because there's so much, right? But the branding of Vietnam needs to change. And for us to work together to keep finding these amazing talents and, 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 and art that represents who we are. And the more that we can showcase that, the better for us to start changing that branding. Um, and we actually also, we should form a small group of people who understand branding right? That Japanese model of branding, it's not just let's go and just throw together some shows. It's not just that. It's understanding, you know, where we are and where we need to go to, to change that perception to where that, that, that is, that's unique about Vietnamese culture, um, that we want people to, you know, keep in their minds like Japan, sushi, zen, yeah. mono, anime, um, you know, that kind of thing. Or K-pop, you know, for and, and Korean barbecue, right? Um, we're not just about pho, <laughs> yeah. for those who know us, or conical hats, or those things anymore. So we, we engaging these young people who really understand um, the the execution you know, of the branding that we, we, we put together, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a must do as a foundational piece of work. Um, but getting back to your question about you know, what, what I believe to be our culture and what it means to be Vietnamese is, is actually um, something that is in our hearts. We, being Vietnamese is feeling it in our heart of, you know the 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 land and the culture. Um, it's sacred within us, um, and maybe that is passed through our DNA. It's not just go and see um, 
Vietnam as a tourist and then somehow feel Vietnamese. And actually, I would say being born a Vietnamese doesn't necessarily make you feel Vietnamese um, as represented by even, you know, my own family. Um, so I do want to end by sharing a poem that was written by um, a famous poet, Nguyen Qua Dim, uh, written in 1971. So um, for those who don't like the current government regime, it was written way before them uh, by a, 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 a Vietnamese who really love being Vietnamese. It's, it's written in a very romantic and riveting way to describe how he feels about our history, our culture, our people, um, and really our experience as a race for thousands of years, because there were so many wars before the current, you know, of what we're talking about. Um, so it's in Vietnamese, so um, I'm just going to read it in Vietnamese, but um, we'll have a translation of it on the, on the podcast later. Đất là nơi anh đến trường, nước là nơi em tắm, đất nước là nơi ta hò hẹn, đất nước là nơi em đánh rơi, chiếc khăn trong nỗi nhớ thầm, đất là nơi con chim phượng hoàng bay về núi bạc. Nước là nơi con cá ngư ông, móng nước biển khơi, thời gian đằng đẳng, không gian mênh mông. Đất nước là nơi dân mình đoàn tụ, đất là nơi chim về, nước là nơi rồng ở. Lạc Long Quân và Âu Cơ đẻ ra đồng bào ta trong bọc trứng, những ai đã khuất, những ai bây giờ yêu nhau và sinh con đẻ cái gánh vác phần người đi trước để lại dặn dò con cháu chuyện mai sau hàng năm ăn đâu nằm đâu cũng biết cúi đầu nhớ ngài dỗ tổ trong anh em trong anh và em hôm nay đều có một phần đất nước khi hai đứa cầm tay Đất nước trong chúng mình hài hòa nồng thấm Khi chúng ta cầm tay mọi người Đất nước vẹn tròn to lớn Mai này con ta lớn lên Con sẽ mang đất nước đi xa Đến những tháng ngày mơ mộng Em ơi em, đất nước là máu xương của mình Phải biết gắn bó sang sẻ Phải biết hóa thân cho dáng hình xứ sở làm nên đất nước muôn đời. Wow, what a beautiful poem. Isn't that it's so beautiful because it talks about the present moment, well that when the author was was living and the future. He spoke at the end about bringing the beauty of the culture outside. I mean, it could be read many different ways, but the takeaway for me is not only is it beautiful now, But in future generations, this is a culture that should be spread around the world. Yes, yes. It, I get emotional every time I read that poem because it, that's where it pains me to, to, to see the millions of Vietnamese, overseas Vietnamese, forfeiting their own culture. Forfeiting because it's been fading away forfeiting because of the bitterness that is deep in their hearts, forfeiting because they had to change, they had to transition into something they're not. Yeah, that so, is so, so accurate. And many, in many cases, the young um, children that were growing up in Ohio, Oklahoma, Mississippi, that were not growing up around... Um, Vietnamese communities just sort of went into oblivion and just thought that they were white America. They thought that this was the way to go. And many of them upon hitting colleges or leaving their, their hometowns come to LA or Orange County or Houston. And they're like, what is going on? We had no idea that this was like a thing. 
we get that all the time. I, you know, I, I run into to, to kids in their twenties out here who are coming out to make it in LA as, as uh, in the entertainment business, just blown away by the unity of the Vietnamese community in Southern California. It is, it is a, a force to be reckoned with out here. Absolutely. And then those who then go to Vietnam to even oh, see yeah. that, you know, a hundredfold, right? Yeah. Yeah. The pride that's in the Vietnamese people today and the progress that they've made, you know, the, even those in Southern California and in D.C. where I am, uh, when we go back to Vietnam, we really see time hasn't stopped when we stopped coming, exactly. you know, when we stopped uh, learning about our own culture, you know. And so it it when the very last thing I want to say is when we are in touch with our culture, when we really continue to live our culture, we become that much stronger, not just as individuals, but as a community and as a country, um, as a culture, just globally as represented by this poem, that we are a mighty, a strong country heritage that it's the third oldest in the world. And this, and, and, you know, we should really all be proud of that and, and elevate that and, you know, know that, you know, walk around with pride and just say that, look, I come from a culture that's 4,000 years old. And here I am a product that is so much, you know, stronger and better than, you know, so other, so many others. Aaron, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you next week and um, yes. celebrating the in the festivities. I do too, Ken. I can't thank you enough for coming, for just supporting us, for just even you know being part of part of Vietnam Week. We will be out there as well uh, in the coming weeks, uh, in the coming months. And by the way, Wing Tan Vic is coming back here. Uh, we're hosting him again um, to launch his uh, new book, Man with Two Faces, at the end of October uh, at the Martin Luther King Library. So please, everyone, uh, come. But thank you again, Ken, for having me. My pleasure. We'll see you soon, Aaron. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Christo Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast.